0: Hello everyone, I'm Samantha Jane Smith. And I'm Jacob Keynes, and you are listening to the
1: Classical Queer Podcast.
0: been lucky to recently interview two great composers. First up was Rufus Isabel Elliott, who has just released a new album of music called AM Am's Come Ashore Turnover. The album is the story of two characters walking along a never-ending beach and the love, loss and anger between them. My second interviewee, Aveshka Ghost, also has a new album of piano music out called Chocolat. We'll be discussing how she composed this album as well as listening to a piece from an upcoming album called Badger. First on this month's show is Rufus Isabel Elliott, who recently released an album of new music called AM Am's Come Ashore Turnover. Here is one of the pieces from that album called Achilles Liar with the Bridge of Silver and Everything, after which I talked to Rufus about the album. Mm-hmm. hello everyone i'm here today with rufus isabel elliott who's just released an album of music entitled am ams come ashore turnover so welcome to the show rufus
1: hi thank you
0: okay so perhaps a, a good place to start is for you to tell us a little bit about the album and how it came about
1: sure um so am ams is a uh, a piece that I began working on maybe a couple of years ago. I was thinking about conversation and I guess on a very basic level, human interaction, what it's like to be yourself and speak to someone else. Um, And uh, I was thinking about that through our voices, how we sound different and how our experiences are, you know, maybe uh, living in our voices. Um, in some ways and when you speak to someone else you become more aware of the things in your own voice that maybe you like or you don't like or that are just neutral sort of facts of how you are in the world um and this kind of uh snowballed (laughs) um until uh i worked on it mainly during more or less started it on uh in march 2020 and more or less finished it in uh, I guess September 2021. So it's, uh, it is in some ways kind of peak lockdown, uh, vibes that I, that I worked on it kind of more or less every day for, for a year. Um, and, um, over the course of that time, uh, at some point in sort of being kind of workmanlike and just kind of making the music in a quite sort of almost technical way, gathering things and making, trying to make little parts of it um wherever i could i kind of realized that there were these characters um and that they had their own lives and sort of motivations and they were in a particular place which is this eternal beach um and that they were going down it and that they had you know there was this kind of story that had come through no willing of my own but i just became aware one day that that was what the story was and then yeah that was just uh kind of just took me with it to the end.
0: Okay. I mean, that's kind of interesting. So it, it sounds like a really, I guess, organic process where you didn't, you, you it sort of, it took you rather than you took it. it. Does that, is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. It's kind of like reaching a critical mass. And then at that point it just, you know, at that, like, you know, up until that point I was working and I was gathering stuff and I was thinking, and then after that it was kind of like just finding out Mm-mm. what it was through the piece itself. I think that's, uh, I really, It's a really exciting kind of imaginative scope to open up and it puts you uh, very (laughs) in touch with your sort of unconscious mind um, or, you know, deeper feelings that you have about the things you were writing about or what you thought you were doing that turns out not to be what you were doing at all, (laughs) um, which I think is a really nice place to be.
0: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because often, you know, when you talk to composers, they have a a very sort of well-defined view of what this piece is going to sound like at the end. It's very, you know, they've got a very rigorous thing. We're going to do this, this, and it sounds like that. Um, uh, But, you know, we do come across people with the almost opposite view, and you sound like that. You you start with sort of a feeling, and it's feelings that take you through rather than having a final composition in front of you.
1: Oh, it's definitely feelings that take me through. I love that phrase. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, and, and also, I guess, you, you know, you were saying about how this was voices and, and this is kind of a, a lockdown piece, if you want to call it that. I mean, do, do you feel in a way that maybe that was, that there was a fortuitous timing there? I, I, you know, in a sense, because we've been so dependent on our voices and not having, you know, physical contact, not having being with some people that I, I wonder if that sort of has made some effect in the way this piece feels.
1: For sure. I think um uh I think that's definitely true. Um even on a really practical level I realised that the instrumentation is like the instruments that I have in my house. They're the instruments that I could pick up and play. Whereas maybe if you're meeting with friends you might write something that they would write. You know what I mean? Like it's a bit more uh it's very kind of insular then if you're if everything is something that I could play myself um is uh is quite kind of interesting. That on some that was another unconscious thing that just kind of happened. But the other thing that happened when I was working on, you know, the 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 lockdown and the the coronavirus prompted me to move back to the Northwest Highlands a lot sooner than I otherwise might have. And then I was living by myself in this place um, and feeling very close to some parts of my self and some parts of my experience um, and uh, you know, some things that maybe I'm quite alienated from in somewhere like Glasgow, was not really part of like the community or the conversation there. Um, and the fact that I was living alone and, um, you know, being very sort of mentally self-reliant in that way, Mm. I think also like really like allowed the sort of slight madness of the process, (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah.
0: I, I mean, you, you mentioned these—you said voices that, that, that all these these beings that have a have a life within this piece, as it were. I mean, do you think that's a reflection of of parts of you talking? Uh, um, is it that way, or, or I mean, I, I'm not saying it's—I it's, don't want to make it sound like you've got all these people living inside you, but you know what I mean. You have these no. thoughts of, um, you know, sometimes I find you have you know these thoughts that come from somewhere else, as it were. And, and is this what's what you think is happening? Is it in, in, in a dialogue?
1: yeah i think what i really like about how the piece turned out is the like uh the ambiguity um like uh, in a way it didn't quite occur to me that they that the characters would maybe turn out to be fragments of a single self um although i think that that is certainly a way that that one could read it and it is i suppose a little bit how i feel about it myself you know that i started out identifying very strongly with the the character eh, 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 the protagonist Mm -hmm. and then as the process went along kind of naturally i suppose like you have to think more and more about the the antagonist this character at arms and then start to feel more ambiguous about their motivations and you start to understand more about how this character feels or like how there's maybe some joint responsibility or whatever and then like the fact that the piece is kind of about the blurring of the boundaries between these two characters and, um, and how that leads to sort of control maybe or like some other some some event. Um, and I really liked that, like a lot of when people have responded, it's been in. It's really kind of like grasped that I think, like some uh, Robert Barry wrote this really nice thing about how it could be. Um, it could be a, a, a really passionate love letter. Or it could be like uh, a death threat glued together from fragments of a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Like it's kind of like it, it's like a bit. it's yeah. it's ambiguous within itself, and I feel ambiguous towards it. I suppose. Yeah,
0: I, I can see that. I mean, I mean that, that's kind of a metaphor for life. I think, in a way, I mean, a lot of life <laughs> is this amb- ambiguity between the two extremes and 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 you know and and the way you manipulate that path through those extremes so i i guess that's kind of a good life metaphor really so
1: yeah <laughs> I, I mean maybe <laughs> i suppose i mean i i think it's true that it's very archetypal in the sense that it is about like the self and the other and so hmm. as soon as you start thinking about that you're thinking about like you know uh especially because some aspects of the piece is kind of about like violence and relationships, then you are thinking about like responsibility and, and care. And, Mm. and, uh, one of the hardest parts for me to write was this movement, the second speech of the antagonist, which is when, when like the event that happens between these characters has happened, each of the characters gets to say one more thing. Mm. Um, and I found it really challenging to, to think what does the antagonist say now like what do they feel mm. um that was like a really it took me a long time to start even putting pen to paper for it because i found that very you know challenging mm. Mm. but important
0: my perspective thinking about my history i would say that the the most difficult thing to actually talk about is the bit that's the most difficult thing that's hidden away or the most if it's like the antagonistic part or the part that is the the nagging part or something else the bit that's that you don't show of yourself the bit that's always hidden is always the most difficult bit to know what it really says and I think so it's kind of kind of interesting and I kind of you know I think most people have that that in them in some way so
1: for sure I think everyone must surely have that in them
0: now, the other thing, of course, besides this is that this has got a very much a, for me, a Highlands feel to it. I mean, it, it has this, I know this sounds, this sounds a bit corny, I know in a way, but it has this idea of like, for me, of desolate moors, misty days, you know, that, 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 that feeling. And, and some of this comes, of course, because you've got a, a Scottish traditional singer, uh, Josie Valerie, who sings on it and, and kind of the whole thing gives you this, for me, this, this this highland highland feel of being out on the moors on on one of those typical scottish days
1: thank you <laughs> well, okay that, that's very kind
0: <laughs> well, well i guess that's what you're after i mean i guess you know you, with with where you are and 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 all of that that's the kind of feel that you were after and it it's. It sort of i'm
1: really touched again whenever people say something like that and people especially like when i hear that via people who I maybe don't really know, maybe don't know that I live in the Highlands, and they sort of come back and say that it reminded them of, like, the mountains or something. Because I suppose with music, um, especially, like, something that's quite ostensibly abstract, like this piece maybe is in some ways, um, that can... you can maybe feel like it would be imposing Mm. to try and make it feel like it was to do with these mountains. But the... I mean, it was really important to me that it was drawing on parts of my life when I've when I've lived in the islands and things that happened that could only have happened there. Um, and you know, um, if you're sort of living life m- mainly out and about and you're quite kind of uh, itinerant and um, like, yeah, that that is quite. It was there was quite a sort of special part of my life i suppose that i was thinking about um and um the bassist who plays in it um in the recording stevie jones um who's an amazing musician um was up in sky with us to do the performance the second performance that we did and uh the morning after the gig um we dragged each other up at like 6 a.m and we went up uh oh yeah um which is uh this really incredible hill in sky really mm-hmm. jagged black rock that just like stretches across um the the whole it's like a wall when you're going onto to the peninsula of Elgol. um it's just it's amazing um <laughs> and uh and so we we went up there and we got to the top at maybe like 9 a.m in the morning we just kind of sat up there and it was sleeting and um and he kind of said like you know, I've had some tunes from from the A Ams piece in my head like this whole time, and it feels very appropriate. And I was like,
0: <laughs> Yes, absolutely, yes.
1: <laughs> it's like it's it's like at home, and it was connected to something that I really wanted to feel connected to, but mm. that it's easy to feel. Um, I guess it was uh, there was some fear in me of being alienated from it, and maybe being alienated from it, like through the music or through the process that I've gone through and trying to, you know, mm. um, trying to compose with it um that's quite a kind of scary thing in a way so it's nice to feel that that other people have kind of uh have detected that on the on the airwaves and it's kind of Mm. started to live some way the
0: people i've talked to um i played i played the music on Mm. on the radio and i've actually talked to people about it if you've been there then i think you do Mm. so it is your music does 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 ooze i don't know if that's the right word ooze out this kind of highland feel to it this but it but it is very much a specific highland feel i think for me it is kind of the one which you said about like being out in the mountains you know a a bit isolated with with the elements around you and that kind of thing
1: yeah i think there's the element of uh sort of maybe outsiderism a little bit that's uh you know being a little bit of a stranger Mm. um rather than like you're saying the sort of the Cayley house and yeah, and the sort of community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, now also, this was linked to the over project. Um, so there are going to be some people who don't know that what is, so uh, what that is. So maybe you could just say a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Um, over is a trans non-binary and gender diverse music making world. Um, that sort of began in March, 2020, we did a gig, um, in Glasgow and it was all about voices um, and how we speak, how we sing, uh, times when we can remain silent and that can be a political action as well. Um, And uh, from that point, um, this uh, British organisation Sound of Music uh, got involved and supported me to um, create a kind of 2021 season, I suppose that has incorporated new commissions by a handful of trans non-binary and gender diverse musicians in scotland um workshops resources um tours all kinds of all kinds of good stuff um and uh that included in march um of this year or march 2021 uh that uh the Overat released an EP of commissions, um, one by Marlon Lewis, who's a, a traditional musician, a piper from the Isle of Skye. Um, well, Eileen Shona originally, and then the Isle of Skye. Um, uh, and Matthew Arthur Williams, who is a photographer and a kind of DJ and producer. Um, and Harry Josephine Giles, who is a poet, um, Sort of spoken word artist um, and a punk folk and rocks, well. I was gonna say, and
0: punk rock star yeah. as well. So, yes,
1: yeah, many hats. Um, and yeah, so that was called Folks Songs. So, the idea was that it was kind of like the music, the traditional music of the trans community, um, or like some small offering of some of the kind of music that we might make. In the trans community
0: yeah and and we actually um have you on episode three if anybody wants to go and take a listen where you're on that so talking about that so that's good uh and so so now you've um now you've done this um no doubt you're going to take a little break um but what's next for you in 2022
1: (laughs) yes rest has been a very important uh a very important thing everyone's burned out and everyone should go and have a winter hibernation um I am currently, uh, yeah, just starting out on some really exciting projects, um, and one that I'm looking forward to, hopefully releasing in January, um, is called. Uh, it's it's another album um, wow. of uh, of music for solo violin, um, and it's called Three Sexual Pieces for Solo Violin. This and this and this, um, and it's uh it's weird because it's the piece before the piece, but it's uh it's been it's been longer in the works Uh um and it's kind of about um i mean it's about all my favorite topics um stories testimony honesty love violence sex mountains um, <laughs> Wow, that's, that, that's uh that's the mix <laughs>
0: well when you've got that out we'll have to have you back and we'll, we can talk about that but um
1: i'm looking forward to it, sharing it with you
0: it's been a pleasure talking to you again and thanks ever so thank you My second interviewee this month is Iveshka Ghost, who also has a new album of piano music out called Chocolat. I had a really interesting interview with her, talking about her method of writing and playing music, as well as discussing her upcoming work, Matilda. After the interview, we will hear a piece from Matilda called Badger. Uh, So I'm here today with composer and pianist Aveshka Ghost. Uh, Welcome to the show, Aveshka. Hello. Nice to be here. Now, you've got some really exciting news. Um, You're releasing an album of uh, piano music called Chocolat.
2: Yes, yes. I've just sort of released that. Um, It was originally for patrons, but uh, after about a year, I decided to release a physical copy
0: anyway because, yeah, it's better that way. Can you say something about the music on it? Because I, I think it's kind of like all variations around a similar similar theme or something. Is that right?
2: Yes, it's um, it's inspired by uh, historic tuning. Um, so it's not in the equal temperament. It's in a historic temperament called Röckmeister 3. So it's, it's a different kind of sound and inspiration behind the pieces. And it's generally, it was written extremely fast. Sometimes I would uh, write up to six or seven pieces a night so it's wow. mostly improvisations um so it's a little bit looser it's not as structured it's just ideas it's something that I thought might be good
0: uh, does this kind of I mean you say it's historic historic temperament so does this kind of, do you find this comes into a lot in your music is this something you're quite interested in, bringing in these old old styles if you like Uh, Not massively. I sort of made a
2: friend with somebody who's who's a piano tuner who is into historic temperament and um, who's rather eccentric friend of mine. And I thought I'd give it a shot because, as he said, every note in equal temperament has the same um, uh, harmonics and sort of personality, whereas in historic temperament, uh, some things actually sound more in tune and some things sound less. So it gives more personality to each chord. Thus, inspiring the composer to use notes and chords in a different
0: way to each other. Mm, that's kind of interesting. So, how did how when you came to write this, how did it affect your writing? Did it uh, did you find you had to think of it in a different way?
2: Yeah, it, I found myself landing on different keys intentionally because I knew that they would have this flat line sound that you can't get on any equal temperament piano, and it it gave the whole album a certain flavour which. I find harder to try and write that sort of music on a different piano, uh, even though it's an extremely subtle difference. It's very subtle.
0: Yeah, I must admit, as a, as a non-musician, I mean, I don't play any in musical instrument. When I heard the pieces, I've heard quite a lot of them. I, I wouldn't have noticed, to be honest, that they were in a different temperament. It kind of, it, It's kind of, for a non-musician, it probably is a little bit more difficult to pick up. But the sound is certainly different to some of them. That, that I noticed.
2: Yeah, I think it's a little bit more zany is the word I would use. It's a little, it it goes one way and then it swings. You'd have to compare to an equal temperament piano. I think it's like F major, C major, A sharp major. Those sort of chords have a certain sound that has a flat, a very satisfying, almost um, synthesized sound that you wouldn't hear in equal temperament, but you'd have to compare the two. But if you listen to the temperament of Chocolat for too long and those chords and go back to equal temperament, uh, that equal temperament sounds out of tune sometimes because everything we
0: hear is out of tune. You had to detune your piano or tune it to the right to the right t- temperament, did you?
2: Yeah, on this one, I actually used a VST piano tech. It had you can change all the temperaments. So I thought, well, I might as well play with it, um, and I quite liked a certain one, and I stuck with it. And I thought, oh, I've got to record something because the other album, the main project, is going to take time, and I wanted something to give to people. To say that i have been doing something with the time
0: <laughs> and that, that's basically all it is so. so 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 you mentioned a main project maybe you'd just like to say something a little bit about that
2: yeah the uh, uh films aside the main piano project is called matilda uh, and that's based on a, on a piano that we have called matilda we've called the piano matilda um that we bought uh it's like a 1920s piano um And it's about 12 12 pieces, I think, it will be in the end, including the badger and other animals and other certain little things. And those are the pieces that I've taken time to write, that I've sort of practised over a couple of years. And they're more challenging and a little bit more uh, structured. So that's what I'm aiming for maybe this year coming to release that.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Well, we look forward to hearing that. Now, you, you, one of the things you said, that this is a pretty much an improv uh, set of pieces, the the, the Chocolat. Uh, and, and you've got kind of an interesting way of composing and, and playing music because, you know, you have your own notation in the way you write your music.
2: Yeah, I, I very rarely use that notation, actually. That, that's been something that I've evolved in the last couple of years. I use it to learn the more complex pieces that have lots of chords, lots of notes, lots of Data to learn to to absorb into the mind. Um, so when I'm desperate and I want to be away from computers and recordings because I play by ear, um, I, I've tried this as an experiment and it's actually worked really well because I know it in my mind. Um, and having the notes there in front of me using this very strange, um, very raw notation. I know the shapes that I want to see so I've made it so that it, it I've programmed it so that it takes a MIDI file and it sort of pumps out this sheet music and it, it actually works and I've managed to learn pieces much quicker.
0: So, so it's kind of a visual you you just see the pattern and that pattern gives you the, the music is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah and I've always seen patterns um, my whole the whole is it the fundamental thing of my learning by ear or well, learning by heart and memory, really, because ears, when you replicate somebody else's music, um, is all about shapes. And it's mainly about triangles, actually, of the hands. So it's all about shapes and curves and arches and pyramids and stuff. And if you see that,
0: everything is simplified anyway. I, I do find this quite amazing, actually, because because you know all, all the music you play is basically um, played from memory uh and and i mean i guess that means each each version you play is always slightly different maybe and you've got a slight interpretation every time is that how it works yeah totally um certain pieces are more uh certain pieces
2: are more loyal to the original vision so badger whenever i play badger the notes are probably going to be exactly the same pretty much every time but sometimes i might try a staccato on that bit and a bit of that there and i might bit that slower i try it because there's no nobody's told me how to play it so i play it how i feel at the time but other pieces like chocolat um some of those i will never play again that was hit record and then go wow. and then i'll never play that ever again i might stumble across part of it by accident in the future but it that's that's its shot it had its moment and it's that's it so you get the extremes between the
0: two that's incredible and a, a kind of a i don't know the word to use here it's kind of kind of a very um um uh, in the moment sort of creation that lasts for a short time and then disappears again essentially if you haven't recorded it but you know it's it's kind of like a one shot a one shot event which is kind of kind of unique in a, a musical way i think
2: yeah i, I actually i mean it, i don't perform to people very much that's my goal is to be able to perform to people that's that's the long-term thing um And I get very, very nervous playing piano in front of people because I'm so not used to it because of a dark past of not being allowed to play the piano. Um, But I find improvising easier than playing a set piece, because if you go wrong on the set piece and you lose where you are, uh, it's no longer the piece you attempted to play. But improvise, you can at least attempt to get yourself out of it. And so if I'm nervous and I say I can't do this, I will probably just improvise the entire concert because it's so much easier to do, um, depending on how you feel. But I do want to play my pieces because I've put a lot of work into them and the quality of
0: the structure will be better than an improv. It's kind of incredible, though, that you can just sit there and improvise. I mean, I guess like it's it's a way like jazz, I guess, you know, a jazz musician will have some some idea of what they're doing and then improvise around it is do you have this kind of like basis in your mind and then you just go off off that basis or something? It's actually two approaches it is a bit like jazz i suppose
2: uh the two approaches one is i i've always hear music in my head i actually have a streaming orchestra of original music in my head that i can tune into 24 7 and it never ends so I, I feel i will never ever run out of music it's just capturing it and being able to play it or record it is the challenge it's not writing um so i'll hear something in my head and then i'll attempt to find the notes and i'm not a perfect pianist so i might make mistakes or i might hit the wrong notes but generally the intervals, I'll work it out. The other method is to just let the hands create a very strange shape uh, based on triangles uh, and different secrets to music that I won't go into that I believe in, Um, and almost hit at random, but uh, educated random, and see what it sounds like and then deal with it uh, there and then as the sound comes and hits you, and you have no idea what it's going to do, but you know it's probably going to sound okay because your fingers your muscles have already learned what doesn't sound okay and over time you you learn those shapes it's very complex but that that's the two different approaches one's
0: by feel and one by is by what's already in your head i I mean it's kind of interesting you do hear of people who like have a you know uh, you hear about experts in things who let their let their body or whatever it is take control of 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 their mind in a sense and and is that and i guess it sounds a little bit like that to me like your hands are actually just going like i'm we're going to do this and and we know what we're doing almost i mean it's, i know it's not like that because you, you know your mind isn't disconnected yeah. but it kind of sounds like that
2: it is so I, I suppose i'm not i mean i'm not used to talking about it. i'm not people usually don't show as much uh interest and so i keep it to myself uh most of the time if you know i might have a whole piece in my head and try to find it but if i'm improvising I often hear the next two seconds, the next chord, or the next couple of bits in my head, and then it's up to my hands to find it and to keep up. So sometimes the hands outrun the mind, and sometimes the mind out, outruns the hands, and and sometimes I'm just not in the mood for it.
0: Uh, and that's about it, really. It, it varies from day to day. I mean, that sounds to to a non musician that sounds incredible. I mean, it just sounds like you know. Uh, amazing that you can just sit there and you know you start and and your hands are going to do something you you can just carry on and because i mean when i listen to the shocker which you say was improvised it it doesn't sound like it's improvised you know what i mean it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sound like you're, you're you're going okay i wonder where we're going next it sounds like you've got it planned which is kind of fascinating yeah mo- most of it over half of it definitely
2: is improvised other bits i will sit and write very quickly. I think it's going to do this chord this bit and this bit and then I will do a few takes and I'll put time into it. but generally I would finish at least I would finish the piece in the night you know as I say, sometimes it was up to five or six I think seven was the record and they'll all be improvised. So sometimes I think, hang on, I, I like this a little bit more. I'm going to put a tiny little bit more time into this because I think it's worth it. So when it's structured, I probably have very quickly come up with a structure but I've only done a certain amount of takes or even sometimes it's one take. And if I think that's good enough, stop, continue and just continue bit by bit. So it's improvised, but with a breather in between. And then some of them are actually hit record and do the entire take in one. And then that's it. And there might there might be one or two bum notes and I'll go back and shift it. Um, but sometimes there isn't. So it's, it's kind of improvised. There's, there's not much time that's gone into it at all. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, to be honest, uh, it would be absolutely fascinating to hear that live. I, I know you, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing to do, but it would be fascinating to hear, you know, one of your pieces and then how it, how it, how it changes over time. If you know what I mean, every time you play it, your, because I guess your mood affects it. Um, what's going on around you, everything will affect how you play that back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would be more happy to do improvisation like the chocolate thing, uh, live. Um, I mean, I'd love to play things like The Badger Live. I'd be nervous, but I'd give it a shot. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, uh, and I do do it a little bit, or I did, but I'm staying at home at the moment because I'm a bit scared of going outside. Um, <laughs> Don't blame me, yeah, quite frankly. I've got, yeah, yeah, I've got projects, so I'm just staying at home and finishing music projects, film projects. I'm quite happy to stay in this town and, and pretty much stay here. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be up for doing that. I think I've got a rig that can do it. I think I've rigged it up. I've actually got it all on now anyway uh because the microphone goes through it so we could do that in the future if you like kind of sounds
0: fascinating yeah i must admit yeah let's let's um yeah i think you know this is the, for me this is something what i think we need to explore more uh i may said may, if we say maybe we'll have you back later on uh maybe next year and we can talk a little bit more and you can demonstrate some of these things maybe it'd be fantastic
2: yeah i'd love that and i've, I've also got all my film music as well so it's fully orchestral and i actually did a, a four album prog progressive rock thing um that that didn't really take off but there's there was a lot of messaging I, I sing on that as well and play the drums. so there's there's all sorts of things there lots of messages you know about that about my
0: lifestyle so yeah, yeah i'd yeah, be very interested now we're going to we're going to hear a piece of yours in a few minutes uh, this one we've already mentioned called badger um yeah. great title a great piece of music can you tell us something about it and, and why it's called badger
2: Okay, so it's on the Matilda sort of collection album. Um, it's a badger because uh, Caroline, my partner, um, outside her house, uh, there are badgers that we feed, and they come along, and we can we, we got to a point where we could all well we've set up cameras and we could film them, and they've gone right up to us like two feet away, and we sat there, and they haven't, you know, and unfortunately, we found one of the badgers had been killed. And when I showed up and, uh, and we were really upset and I sort of moved moved the badger into the bush and I started playing and she she actually said, that sounds like a badger. And I said, it does. In fact, it started off as one of the arts. The badger was an improv. <laughs> yeah, actually. And she uh-huh. said, sounds like a badger. Um, so I said, wow, I'll, okay, I will learn this. I will learn this improv, which is a very hard thing to do because you, you haven't structured it that much. So I, I spent the entire night, you know, like a good four or five hours just practicing non stop learning the notes. And then the next day I tried more, and then eventually I, a few little things changed, little bits added, and little details. There is the original chocolate it was removed from the album because I wanted to have it something better, but I do have the original recording. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just we absolutely love Badgers. Uh, We're just obsessed with badgers really and it it has the light it's the circle of life again so if you listen to it it's a young badger it's playful it gets older it goes down the steps it it sees the dangers of the world eventually it, it does go to heaven in the end and and if you look at the notes of the midi i found the other day i didn't realize there are actually badger heads drawn on the on the actual notes perfect badger heads every single time it does the theme and i didn't realize so it's a very badgery uh piece but it's it's not a funny piece it's playful
0: but it is you know it's, yeah but it's got a serious it's got a serious nature to it it's it's, it's i mean I, I kind of you know it, as you say it's not a it's not a it's not what i would call a whimsical piece but it's it is playful but but it's got a serious part to it as well as is where i would look at it
2: yeah yeah well it is ultimately about the the, the dangers of 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 mankind and um and cars and things like that and eventually you know the happier place and this definitely inspired by the innocence of these sort of animals you know and all the people that do all these terrible things and you get these badgers and they're sort of minding their own business and the foxes come and eat with them and they don't bother each other the fox could be behind the badger and it doesn't even flinch but if a person comes along then it's
0: all panic well they've learned to fear us unfortunately that's the sad thing yeah yeah well look that's that's badger that's out going to be out with matilda which will be out when do you think well i mean i'm i'm, I'm still practicing as a, i'm
2: i'm i've it, it gets very 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 challenging at the end it gets to some pieces uh, that are the hardest pieces i've ever written to perform um so i've written like 80 90 some 90 something percent of that and i'm just practicing i'm hoping to record it the the recording you have is, is a temporary it's just a take it's not the final recording. I'm hoping to record it on the actual Matilda piano for next year, and I'm thinking about doing a Kickstarter and having it on vinyl, but that's another story. we we'll would have to look
0: into the costs. Sounds great. Well, look, when you've got it all done, Matilda, please come back, and we'd love to talk to you. In the meantime, people will uh, have to get hold of Chocolat. And uh, where can they get hold of that, by the way? I've got my own little website,
2: therizolka-records.com and that's a physical cd it's a big big chunky double album because i like i like i like physical copies of albums i've always been i'm a little bit old-fashioned and that that ships worldwide and i don't mind signing it or anything anything you want I,
0: you know you just give me a message and it's not a problem sounds perfect i'm sure you're going to get some requests uh thank you so much for coming Aveshka, and uh hope to see you again sometime in the new year thank you very much So that's all for this episode. You've been listening to the Classical Queer Podcast and Jake and I look forward to being with you next month. The incidental music is courtesy of Jared Miller and the show was
1: produced by Samantha Jane.